0: Good morning oh wow <laughs> there's a lot of people in here and uh, I didn't hear anything good morning. good morning excellent thank you especially you right there that's very good very good uh, my name is pastor Corey. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Legacy and I remember Christmases with my niece my brother has a daughter and she's older now and she has her own child uh, but Christmas is at my mom's house. My mom would had a big bay window that looked out on the street, and she put up this beautiful tree. And when my niece was just little, uh, my brother would come up from, Cal, uh, from Colorado, and we would celebrate Christmas together. And I remember one Christmas, my brother came in, and I was standing there next to the tree looking at all of the presents. Like, the tree is so tall, and the presents are so tall. And I looked at my brother, and I said, when you and I were kids, do you remember that? Do you remember this many presents under the tree? And Danny says, no, I definitely don't remember that many presents. And as it came time to open, Maya comes out, and, and uh, we have this tradition of distributing one at a time. So we distribute, and we have our spots, and, and my pile was like two or three presents by my feet. But Maya's pile, was taller than her. And I looked at my brother, and I said, he, and he said, no, we never had that. And then Maya would run around and she'd knock something over and break it. And my mom would say, oh, that's okay. And I, what? That's okay? Danny did, no, she didn't do that with us. The rules changed with a granddaughter. The rules changed with my niece. And when we're kids, we try to push those rules. I remember my mom saying, don't cross 4th Street because you'll get run over by a car. Well, that's easy. You know how you you bend that rule? You go down two blocks where she can't see you and cross down there and hope she doesn't find out, see you biking while she's out running around. We try to push those rules, and I I wish I could say that that stops when we get a little bit older, that when we become mature people that that stops, but it doesn't. It doesn't stop at all. As adults, we try to find those edges of the envelope also. Uh, there's a major interstate out here called uh, I-94. What is the speed limit on that road? See, this is where I ask the questions and then you respond. <laughs> All right, so it's so I, the 75 miles an hour. That is the posted stated rule, 75 miles an hour. Now, I have tried as an experiment to go 75 miles an hour. Do you know what happens? 90% of people pass me. So I thought, okay, I'll bump it up a little bit. I will find the edge of this envelope. I will bump it up, bump it up, bump it up, the cruise control, until I was doing 82, 82 miles an hour on the interstate, and I was passing 70% of the people. The people who were passing me all had Minnesota plates. (laughs) They were going past, like zoom, but I was passing uh, about 70% of the people but I was ready to take the consequences. I wanted to see how far this envelope went out. So I passed the highway patrol person doing 82. Guess what happened? Nothing. That's the edge of my envelope. 82 miles an hour on in the interstate. That's the edge of my envelope. And I apologize to any law enforcement who are here for encouraging people to find the edge of their envelope. But 82 is the edge of my envelope. Now, this idea of finding the edge of the envelope, seeing how far we can push the rules is old. It is part of being human. It has been around forever. And during the time of Moses and the creating of the Ten Commandments and the the commandments and the laws that guided Israel through those years, they found ways to push the edge of the envelope. Matter of fact, they had people who were experts in finding the edges, the outer edge of the envelope on all the laws. They were called the legal experts. Did you think the legal experts were lawyers that represented you in court? No. They were people who knew the law and knew the outer edges of where you could go. Now, one of the Ten Commandments, and the Ten Commandment we're going to talk about today is a very short one, as Brandon said. It is found in Exodus 20, verse 14. Do not commit adultery. There's no explanation, that's it. Do not commit adultery. The definition of adultery is you have committed to be in a relationship with your spouse, you step outside of that relationship and have relations with somebody else on a physical level. Do I I need to explain that? Some of you look kind of blank. You have sex with somebody else. That's what adultery means. You've committed to only have relations with this person, but you step out and have it with somebody else. That's what adultery means. Okay. So the legal experts, they know this law. They see this, and they say, how far can we push this? Well, according to adultery, it is the physical act. It is the physical act. This law only covers the physical act. So according to to those uh, experts in the law, You could think all you wanted. You could fantasize all you wanted. You could dream. You could talk. You could write. You could do whatever. As long as you didn't do the physical act, the outside act of adultery, you were good. You were keeping God's commandments. But that's not what God intended with this. God intended something a bit more. God cares very much about bodies. He cares about your bodies and he cares about other people's bodies. He cares about bodies so much so that he came to earth in a body. Right? You guys are just not impressed this morning. I got to try harder. He came to earth. In a body, in the form of Jesus. And in the form of Jesus, in a body, he talked about our bodies. He talked about other people's bodies. And he corrected our thinking about God. He wanted to confront those legal experts and correct their thinking about what they were thinking about God, what they were thinking about our bodies and other people's bodies. And so in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes a few statements about this short verse in Exodus. He says, you have heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you that every man who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in their heart. I'm just going to put the pause button on one second here. During Jesus' time, it was a male-dominated time. Not much has changed, right? So, but it was male culture. So Jesus is saying, every man who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery. So the women in here are going, hey, this one isn't for me. (laughs) I can just lay back. No. No. Well, we're going to talk about effects, men and women. You are not off the hook. I am so sorry. Unpause. Jesus says, you know what, the whole heart of do not commit adultery is so much more than the outward act. What God cares about is not the outward act so much as the inward, what's in your heart. That is what God cares about. God cares about what's inside, cares about the heart. Now, there's two reasons why Jesus makes this shift from Outside to inside. The first is this. The first is is that he knows humanity. He knows us. He knows what we're like. He knows that inside each of us, there is a longing. There's a hole, if you will, that that creates loneliness, that creates sorrow within us, and desire to connect, to feel loved, and to feel like... You're loved as a human being, as a person. And that hole, we try to fill with stuff. We try to fill that hole to close it up. But that hole was designed to be filled by only specific things. That hole was designed to be filled by God's love and grace, by the love of a committed spouse or partner. It is designed to be filled with friends and family. It is designed to be filled with people, with bodies whom God had created and loved, and filled with God's love and grace. But he knows us. He knows that we would rather short-circuit that, that we would rather have a quick fix to our loneliness. The second reason why Jesus talks about, about this from outside to internal is because he cares about bodies. He cares about your body, he cares about my body, and he cares about other people's body. See, what happens is, is we have that loneliness, that hole in our heart, and we try to fill it. We try to fill it with instantaneous things, because need to f- we don't want to feel lonely anymore. We don't want to have those feelings of longing. We want those feelings of connection. And sometimes it's just too hard to spend the time in a relationship. So we try to short-circuit that. Now, when I was a kid, uh, we had posters. <laughs> we had posters on the wall. And then sometimes on our bikes, we would try to find construction sites because sometimes you'd find magazines there, and they weren't Sports Illustrated. And those things, we thought, would short-circuit that. But as time and technology has progressed, you no longer have to get on your bike and find a construction site to find a magazine. Because now all you need to do is pull out your phone while nobody's looking and type in a word or two And images come up, one at a time, or all at once. And for a split second, for that moment, it feels like that loneliness is gone. It feels like that connection is made just for a moment, and then that moment is gone. And you're just as miserable, if not more miserable, than before. Now, my brother and I, we meet up. He lives in Colorado, and I live here, obviously. And we meet up every once in a while in different places. And we fly there. We spend a week together. We call it brother time. And we, we, we enjoy ourselves. So we, one time we went to Vegas. <laughs> you guys know where I'm going with this? One time we went to Vegas. And it was my suggestion because the Pinball Hall of Fame is there. And my brother and I love pinball. So we were going to meet and go to the Pinball Hall of Fame. But I had a line. My line was, this is my line. Everything we do is PG or under. PG or under. Nothing over that line. And my brother agreed to that. He's not a believer. Could really care less. But he respects my faith in God. He's like, cool. I'm good with that. We're good. So we are in the... We're in the taxi cab, we're going to the Pinball Hall of Fame, and the taxi driver sees two bros sitting next to each other, and he just makes assumptions. He's like, hey, you guys going to strip club tonight? And I'm out. I was like, no, nope, I'm not part of this conversation, but my brother jumps in. He's like, oh, yeah, no, I got my brother here, and he doesn't want to go, so we're not going to go. But, you know, I've been here, and I've done this, and I've done that, and they get in this conversation, and one of them says, yeah, this gal came to me one time, And she was like in my face, and then she started to tell me, I only do this because I need money for college. And I was like, don't tell me that. I don't want to hear about you. I don't want to hear about anything about you. I'm here to look at you. And that's it. You see, when we turn, when we try to fill that hole that's in us with these shortcuts, with treating others as objects, it is like diving into a piece of candy and, and opening it up and eating the candy and taking the wrapper and throwing it away. You've consumed it, you've thrown it away, and you're done. And that person, that person that you're looking at on your phone, face-to-face, in a magazine, is a real person created by God whom God loves and cares about. And you have just thrown them away to satisfy, try to satisfy that longing that you have momentarily. What Jesus, how serious is Jesus about this? How serious is Jesus about this? Well, he continues on. He says, if your right eye causes you to fall into sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose a part of your body than your whole body thrown into hell. Go ahead. I know, I skipped it last time. I'll take it this time. And if your right hand causes you to fall into sin, chop it off and throw it away. Jesus is very serious about this. He is very serious. He knows us. He knows that we will try to do anything to fill that longing. And so he makes some pretty drastic recommendations. Now, do we do this literally? How many people do you know have plucked their own eyes off and got their own hands off? I see no hands. We do not take this literally, but, not, but we do take it very seriously. Because sometimes... What we need to do is to take our smartphone and trade it in for a dumb phone. Cutting it off. At least for a time. Sometimes we need to take that web browser that we use to look up stuff that we shouldn't see and sign, actually sign on to X Church. XXX Church is a ministry that you can sign on for. You put your credentials in and you put someone that you trust in there, And whenever you get close to a website like that, it immediately alerts the friend that you trust, lets them know what you're about to do so they can call you out of love and concern for you. You see, Jesus knew that if we spent time unwrapping these one at a time and consuming them and throwing them away, that we would eventually look like this. What would happen if I ate this whole bowl of candy? What would would happen if I ate this whole bowl of candy? I would get a tummy ache. I would feel bad. I would feel terrible. Actually, I probably look like this bowl, right? After a while. My medical condition would change. My abilities would change. Everything would change about my body and who I am because I was consuming this. But when we eat healthy exercise and treat our bodies right then we are healthy we feel better we move better if we keep a steady diet of using people as disposable things consuming them one at a time and throwing them away it will destroy our heart we will see what we do in private and on our phones will start to affect the outside world It will change us so that when we see other people, we start to treat them as disposable too. We will no longer love people or care about them. We will rather see people in ways of how can I use them to get what I want and then dispose of them because we're on a steady diet of doing that anyway. But Jesus wants us to be aware that what we put into us into our eyes, to our hearts, changes us. And so what he wants us to do is a steady diet of God's love and grace, to spend time in prayer, in meditation, in love, in spending time in his word, in spending time in serving each other, in serving other bodies. Because in that, you will end up acting and being like him. You will end up seeing other bodies the way he does, and you will start to do the things that Jesus did, and the Holy Spirit has us do to others. Now, what if you have been consuming this for some time? Oh, you think that maybe every once in a while it doesn't add up. Occasionally. Maybe once on Thursday when the wife goes to work. That it doesn't add up, but it does. It adds up pretty quickly. So what happens if you've been dining here? There is forgiveness for this. There is forgiveness. When you come to God and tell him and ask for forgiveness, he will forgive you and start to heal your heart, especially if you start to feed on his word, his love, and his grace. I know this for fact from experience. Now, am I tempted to go back to that bowl and have a nibble? <laughs> uh-huh. But I don't because I know the path that leads to, that leads to destruction. It leads to destruction of my soul and it leads to destruction of others. Rather, feast on God's love and grace and peace and care about the same thing God cares about, your body, my body, and other people's bodies. As I said earlier, Jesus cares so much, God cared so much about our bodies, about other people's bodies, about my body, that he became A human being he took on a body and that is what we celebrate when we celebrate communion we celebrate him taking on a body and what that means for us you see on the night that Jesus was betrayed he and the disciples went up to the upper room to celebrate the cedar meal and as they went into the room There was no servant there to wash their feet. And so Jesus took off his outer robe, the mantle that made him a rabbi, a teacher, a person of importance. He took that off and he wrapped it around his waist, making him suspiciously look like a servant. He took a basin and a pitcher of water. He poured the water into the basin. And then one at a time, he sat the disciples down and he washed their feet, which they didn't like. Jesus did it anyway. When he was done, he stood back, he looked at the disciples, and he said, you know exactly how the rulers of this place rule it over you. They love to squish in their authority. They love to make you do things. They love to hold it over you. But I just demonstrated for you how God sees power. God redefines what power is. I have served you. If you want to be great within how God Defines power, then serve each other. And then Jesus invited the disciples around the table. They reclined, and Jesus took a loaf of bread. He held it up, and he said, This is my body. This is my body. This is my body broken for you, for your body, for your body, for your body, for your body, for your body. Then he took a cup and he held it up, a cup full of red wine. And he said, this is my blood spilt for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Remember this every time you break bread together. Now, in a moment, I'm going to pray. But before I do that, I just have a few instructions for you. The first is, is we're going to take communion down the center aisle. And so you can come as you feel led when, when I give you the signal, not now. And we're going to do, to do communion by intinction. That is a $20 word for break the bread and dunk it. Okay, so we're going to practice intinction. So you're going to be given a piece of bread, the body of Christ, and you're going to dunk it in the grape juice, the blood of Christ. Okay. The second thing I need to tell you is this table, even though it has the symbol of legacy on it, is not legacy's table. It's not even the United Methodist table. This is the Lord's table. And you are all invited to participate. There is gluten-free available here for those who would like it or need it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you to bask in your grace and your love. We ask that you forgive us of our sins, the ways that we have ignored you, the ways that we have missed the mark. We ask that you cleanse us, make us whole and right again. And as we partake, of this communion. May we spend time basking in the glow of your grace and your love. We thank you. We thank you for the broken body and the spilt blood. We ask this in your name. Amen.